Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out. Space, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Curiosity, written by just a tad. It was well into the fifth millennium by the time humanity discovered how to cross between stars with ease. Of course, before that, by millennia number three, we had sent our first colony ships, great sleeping leviathans holding thousands of humans in stasis chambers. Some managed to figure out a new form of propulsion and energy source that would allow us to get them up to a few percent of the speed of light. That sounds fast, right? Uh, wrong. Space is big. I mean, uh, really big. It was going to take close to a hundred years just to get out of the system, and thousands of years to get anywhere else. Still, all colonists volunteered, even knowing that they may wake up 10,000 years to an uninhabitable planet. But that didn't seem to deter them. Then, just before the end of the 38th century, we worked out how to travel faster than the speed of light. Only a few times faster back then. It all seems so primitive looking back now. Now, a few hundred years after that, when flitting around the solar system between the orbital gardens of Venus and the hydrogen mining dockyards of Neptune had become as simple as getting a bus between two cities. Someone suggested that we should probably go and get a colony ships back. No trivial task, but they managed it. Then we sent out new ones, ships that would go hundreds, if not thousands of times faster than the original ships. By the turn of the 42nd century, a suitably large vessel could make about 120 C. Again, that sounds fast, right? Well, it was better than 0.01 C. At 120 C, you could get the Proxima Centuri well inside a month. Useless though, that star turned out to be. But still, to get around our neighborly part of the galaxy, it was still a serious journey, and oftentimes a one-way trip. In 5,460, 1.93.275 by the new Solaran calendar, we discovered how the fault space, and I don't mean some kind of weird hyperspace window or science fiction stuff, we could literally bring two points in space, regardless of distance, together for enough time for a vessel to pass between them. It's a crazy thing, right? It was right under our noses the entire time. The scientist that discovered it almost sounded sheepish when accepting his prize money. Anyone could have discovered it up to a few thousand years ago. It just took someone to look in the right place. And it was easy. Anyone could do it with some pretty basic equipment. And that was it for humanity. Anyone could travel anywhere in the universe. And people did. It was chaos at first. At first, people were cautious, jumping in little ships around somewhere between galaxies before coming back. But there were nutters as well. People who jumped thousands of galaxies away. Hell, it was a matter of weeks before someone decided that they wanted to see what the edge of the universe looked like. And only a few hours after that, someone decided to try and go beyond. 
Some people are still beyond the edge today, trying to see if there is anything there but empty space. So, humanity flourished. War is kind of a non-issue. When everyone has everything that they could want, why fight for a galaxy when there are billions out there just like it? Why have wars over resources when we had more than we could possibly ever need? But then, of thousands of years later, when humanity now occupied millions of stars and had destroyed and made many more just because they could, when families had taken up a nice, quiet little solar star in one corner of the universe, and when one morning Grandma would decide that she didn't really like the color of the planet over there, so Dad would just go out and replace it with one from another system. When there was a literal restaurant at the edge of the universe, millions in fact, and when little Johnny could go home from school in the afternoon showing him his mummy's report card, where he'd been given bad grades because you can't just wrap a star around a Dyson sphere and expect that to be enough of an A. When all had become the normality, all of humanity really only had one fundamental thing in common, which was two philosophical questions. One, is it just us in the universe? And two, if so, then now what? Just because humanity could go anywhere didn't mean they had been everywhere. In fact, at the latest census, the Guild of Cartographers announced that they estimated humanity had explored somewhere around 0.0001% of the universe. A rough number, to be sure, but even at its greatest it meant that there were still untold billions of galaxies that we hadn't even touched. The explorers redoubled their efforts, hopping between often tens of star systems in a day, and artificially intelligent starships hopped around in spaceships between galaxies searching for any signs of life. Doing the maths, even if another civilization had discovered false space technology and was doing the same thing as us, there was an alarmingly small chance of us bumping into each other. We invented more advanced scanners, which could pulse an entire star system in fractions of a second, and then armed drones with these scanners and sent millions of them, scanning thousands of systems a day. We started to find clues, suggestions. Even by our advanced technology, we weren't sure at first. Then, as we searched faster and faster, we started to find more evidence of other life. We discovered our first natural garden world, full of life and wonder. None of our technologically advanced, but there was a clear apex predator that would likely evolve in time. We left sentries to watch over and care for the planet, and tugged a few meteors out of the way that looked like they might hit in a few million years. Nothing special. Then we continued our search. We found several more. A few thousand years later, we found what we had been looking for, undeniable evidence of an advanced civilization, judging by the technology that they had advanced to a similar level as us, though what we found were ruins of environments that had been clearly been artificially created. There was no life, but we did find data, coordinates of other systems the civilization had inhabited, so we traveled to all of these places, only to find the same a dead civilization. Not killed by war, or disease, or even age, they had simply decided to stop being. It seemed that they too had asked themselves the same questions and answered them. We found records on their own searches, evidence of thousands of other civilizations that had all existed, just never at the same time. 
They existed millions of years apart from each other in the cold darkness of the universe. It was in space they kept alien civilizations apart. It was time. We searched through the history of all the civilizations, poured over all that was and managed to piece together much of what was not. It was the same case for all of them. There was no reason for their demise, no great enemy, no plague, no robot uprising, or anything like that. Once these civilizations had expanded to the point where they had everything that they could ever want, they stopped. They never seemed to wonder what was the purpose of all of this. Why are we here? Is the universe all that there is? They just decided that they had had enough. It was a commonality with all the races. Every decision in their path was driven by pure logic and reason, which on the face of it would seem sensible, but would eventually prove to be all of their downfall. Meanwhile, humanity was fueled by something different. Sure, we could be logical, and sure, we'd like a good debate about pros and cons of something, but we had something the universe had never seen before. We were curious. From the tiniest baby wondering what the table leg might taste like, to the craziest scientist wondering just what would happen if you accelerated a star above light speed. From a teenager who had just had to know if he could climb that tree, to the explorer who couldn't bring himself to stop searching for alien life. We had that burning desire for knowledge. And when the universe ran out of questions for us, we just made up more. So... Here I sit, millions of years later, a proud day for humanity as I make first contact with one of the species on the garden world that we'd watched over for all this time. Today, we welcome the first non-humans to the stars. And why are we still here? Why did we hang around for all these millions of years? We just had to know. We're curious like that. End of story. Story number two. The Dead Race, written by Erebios. Begin recording. Humans are an interesting topic from various standpoints because they are universally discriminated against by all known galactic polities. Even in the day-to-day life, walking along our streets, humans still seem to be the only acceptable target for our baser biases, something which I will remind you is not tolerated by this campus. For those of you who have never seen a human, even for those of you who have, I will remind you that I will be showing accurate hollows of humans during today's lecture and for the remainder of the course. Jablaya, if you would. Yes, that is a human, unaugmented by the way, which I'll explain later. As a Maraxian myself, I can say that they look shockingly familiar to our bodies after we've decayed for a while. I am told that the Chavians find their uniform skin coloration strikingly similar to a particularly fatal disease that plagued their home world. The clip amongst you will no doubt find their lack of body fur to be similar to the corpse of your own species. Jibalaya here, as our lone Travac, tells me that humans look nearly identical to a particular virus that left much of their first extrasolar colony without a living soul. I can go on and on. The point is that humans, though some of us have yet an explained quirk of biology and misfortune or statistical improbability, no one is quite sure which, look like a representation of death across all known species. 
Yes, all? Question? Student question, maintain for lecture notes. They don't look scary to me, Professor. Ah, yes, they don't. But if you'll permit me to play the hollow... Human speech. Recorder doesn't contain human translation software. Purchase new for 21D. Yes. Class, for those of you who don't know why Z is Lu is as pale as you are now, the human vocal sounds usually range in certain frequencies. The same frequencies that Z is Lu's people create on their deathbeds. Yes. Human sounds, smells, visual cues, range of movement, even cultural development is, um, unappealing to all of us. Again, it seems a marvel of terrible, terrible luck that this just happens to be so. Earlier, I mentioned that this was an unaugmented human. I'll show you a modern augmented human. Again, they do look amazingly similar to the corp soldiers that were employed by the Brills during the last Galactic War, don't they? Transspeciesism, transhumanism, when referring to human application, is widely rejected by the Galactic Society because of the aforementioned Brill's use of technologically reanimated corpses that happened only so long ago. As a veteran of that war, I will freely admit that I nearly wet myself in terror upon first seeing a human. With some context in mind as their physical appearance, it is obvious why most of us would prefer not to associate with humans, despite being a wonderfully adaptive and successful in the certain sectors of work. Do any of you know which sectors those are? Students, guesses omitted. Yes, military ground forces, acting and medicine. The first two areas are well understood. The psychological impact of soldiers naturally appearing as the universal symbols of death cannot be underestimated. I'm sure the nearby Mount Zrill Military Academy has an entire call centered around the humans in combat. Human actors find many roles in galactic terror movies requiring no makeup to get into character. Of course, Professor Yezluk over there in the arts department teaches an entire course in human art appreciation. Professor Yezluk tells me that the human romantic genres and comedies are making a big splash in the galactic art circles due to the juxtaposition of the human actors with themes of love, laughter, and life. Medicine, however, is a bit harder to wrap our heads around. Tell me, which of you would like to wake up to an operating table to see this man... Humans have two sexes, operating on you. I speak from personal experience again and refer back to my previous statement about wetting myself. Class laughter omitted. However, it works. Humans' medical facilities, human doctors and nurses have the highest rates of patient recovery than any other species. This, I argue, is because of their unfortunate appearance. Much study has been done in this particular phenomenon especially considering that while a human medical technology is quite ahead of the curve due to part of their augmented practices, it is not entirely able to account for the human medical success rate. Something else is a major factor. And here again, I talk from personal experience. I first met a human when I woke up in Nevius Arius, a hospital in planet Luvia. I was only nine at the time and working on a doctorate on cross-species relations and... Uh, I thought to myself, what better place than on one of the colonies of the most looked-down-upon race? I was arriving by shuttle when my shuttle's AI pilot unexpectedly malfunctioned and was involved in a crash. 
I woke up on the operating table surrounded by humans. For a brief moment, I did in fact think that I had perished in the crash and had moved on into the afterlife. I didn't realize where I was until after the first surgery became lucid again. Class, I tell you, in those four days, I have never felt more safe than I ever have. Yes, even with life-threatening surgeries still scheduled, blood transfusions and limbs cloned as replacements, you do not know how safe a person feels when surrounded by literal walking images of death, and when those corpse people look down on you on the operating table and whisper, Death doesn't want you today. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.